politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen to the one and only CR podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house here to guide and enlighten those who actually still care about their own liberty. And folks, the help is not going to come from the courts. I could tell you that much. It's not going to come from anyone else. We have to take back our own lives. Um, I had to turn off the Supreme Court oral arguments today. I just couldn't take it anymore. Between the fact-free arguments presented by the justices and then even the lawyers for the states, uh, Texas, uh, Scott Keller, I-, I just didn't get it. He kept seeding all their arguments. They literally are living in an alternative universe. Masks work. Vaccines work. They stop the spread. What the hell are you talking about? You know, one of the marquee facts of this entire two years is that precisely because all of their elements not only failed, but made the virus worse, allowed them to benefit from the lack of efficacy. Because, you see, if it worked, then it would work. And then it would be over with. But precisely because it doesn't work, and not only doesn't work, but was designed to make it worse. We talked about a lot, a leaky vaccine syndrome. It makes the virus more virulent, of course. And in this case, I don't think it's that virulent, thank God, with Omicron, but it does make it more transmissible. And then if you're testing like hyena, you're going to certainly find all the cases. And guess what? Then you get to turn around and say, look, see all the cases. Uh, Justice Kagan, I I just heard her say something, and again, I had to turn it off. She said this morning that... Look, I mean, you can't deny this is a big emergency. There's 10 times as many cases than at the time OSHA made their original mandate. Like, dude, doesn't that say anything to you? Self-awareness is dead. You have all the vaccines and it's 10 times more. Obviously, it's not working. They keep acting as if our reality is playing out. Our policies, I mean, are playing out. No, theirs are the ones that are prevailing. Take ownership for your failure. Again, in my state of Maryland, every senior, you know, statistically speaking, 99% are vaccinated. 90% of all adults have the shots. There's nowhere to run or hide from that. They are making it worse. But who's going to stand up for us? Who is going to stand up for us? So today I want to, I want to, I know I've covered this a lot, but I mean, it can never be covered enough. The latest data, the latest studies. I wanted to get to some other stuff today. We'll see if we have time, Um, but we'll kind of round the corner of all the information we didn't get to uh, earlier this week. I'm still a little bit under the weather. I caught the flu-like thing from my wife and kids, so I'm kind of the last one in the house to get it. And that's the thing with Omicron now. You can't really tell the difference uh, between what's what. And that's a good thing. You know, I'm hearing also from the real experts that I talked to, uh, HCOV-229E, it's one of the coronavirus colds, is circulating a lot. So a lot of people will test positive, and it's really coronavirus cold. This whole thing is a cluster. Now, here you're used to getting a 2020 vision on facts, on policy that you don't get elsewhere. Wouldn't you like to get 2020 vision in your eyes? 
Better Spectacles is now offering authentic German-engineered Rodenstock eyewear in the U.S. Rodenstock is the gold standard. Ronald Reagan himself wore Rodenstock glasses. Uh, They're expert opticians specialized in difficult prescriptions, astigmatisms, and those who experience problems with progressives. Technology has caught up to your prescription. I love my Rodenstock frames. My wife does as well. Um, Now that, especially where I live in this stupid place, they're requiring masks everywhere you go. If you go to betterspectacles.com slash conservative, you could schedule a teleoptical appointment. So that means you don't even need to leave your home uh, so so you could get your prescription, and then they're offering my audience 61% off their Specs lenses plus free handcrafted Rodenstock frames. Visit betterspectacles.com slash conservative. So let's go through some of the facts that we're, we're seeing today, okay? Just basic, basic facts. First of all, this is from Calgary TV. They're now admitting that the majority of people in the hospital are vaccinated, as we knew. Okay, I, I, I want to make this very clear, that anywhere that actually has real data, it shows the opposite. When, when, they, ha- when they pull it out of their rear end and just assert it, oh, everyone in the hospital is, is uh, unvaccinated, they're making it up. The UK... Again, every week they have continuous granular data. They had it all year. 72%. They just put out yesterday, Thursday, they put out um, week 52 of last year. So that's, you know, the last week in December. Um, And 72% of all deaths were vaccinated. Okay? So let's let's stop lying here. So that's with that. But let's, let's go through... Some of the some of the patterns that we're seeing here, um, want to want to want to go through this here. I'm trying to get my st- stats here, so let's go through the UK's data. Now, I want to make it clear that from day one, this vaccine not only never stopped transmission but it actually facilitated it it actually had negative efficacy okay this is even before omicron omicron has blown it out of the water it's just like noticeably like the two three times more likely to infect those who got the shots but it was true before that too they were the super spreaders okay if you understand merrick's chickens they're the super spreaders a lot of them have a degree of protection um, it's exaggerated it, with, with this shot. A lot of them do wind up dying and getting hospitalized, but they have a degree of protection for themselves. But that was before Omicron. Now with Omicron, it is out the window. It is out the window. Okay, the, these are straight up facts. Straight up facts. There's a chart from a friend of mine. Of His name is Don Walt. He has a chart that he puts out every week that he collates the each report from the UK. So in other words, each report has a staggering four-week average. And then the next week it adds another week and drops another one from before. So you could see the not just, you know, the percentage of cases per capita, you know, rate 
per vaccination status stratified by eight different age groups every single week, but you could see the progression over time. And what it demonstrates is this. Okay? So they um, let's just first go through the data. UK Health Security Agency published its COVID-19 vaccine surveillance report. You could look that up. Just Google it. Weeks 49 to 52 of last year. So it's the first week of 2022. But the data is um, for the last, basically December. It's basically December data. These are not raw numbers. These are case rates per 100,000. Okay, so that it's, it's apples to apples factoring in um, vaccination status. Okay, so you look at table 13 of the chart. And what you will see is literally anywhere from 2 to 2.4 times more cases per capita among the vaccinated and unvaccinated in almost every age group, except for the very older where it's only a little bit more among the vaccinated, but still more. And that's the booster effect. Remember, the booster, what the booster does is for literally a month or two, at most two months, it mitigates some of the negative efficacy. That's what it does. So it's not quite as negative as without it, and then it goes negative again when it wears off. Probably even worse, kind of like the heroin analogy would be given. The only area where it's um still a little bit in positive territory is under 18 with children, and we think that has to just that's just a function of testing. Let me give you the straight-up facts. You could take this to the bank. Nobody in the world has better data. Here is their data. And again, we're talking about transmission, okay, infection rates. So when they say you're affecting other people, if you take it to its logical conclusion, this should mean, you know, if they're saying that, you know, if something is proven to spread a vaccine more, I could ban you. Based on what they're saying, based on the real data, we should be banning people who do have the shots. I'm not advocating we should do that like they do. I'm just saying if you take their quasi-legal science premise to its logical conclusion, we should be banning these people. Under 18, it's at 38% efficacy. And by the way... That number is shrinking every week if you watch the progression, so it will go negative soon. 18 to 29-year-olds, negative 123%. 30 to 39-year-olds, negative 138%. 40 to 49, negative 151%. 50 to 59, negative 117%. 60 to 69, negative 90%. And then here's where you start seeing the booster effect a little bit. 70 to 79, negative 56. And then 80 and over, negative 8%. But the point is... The point is there's a clear negative efficacy of the shots in terms of likelihood one will become infected with COVID. Okay, you can't you can't miss you can't miss that. So that is abundantly clear. Now, this chart from my friend Don Walt, what it shows, he stacks the weekly changes in case rates of each age group and vaccination status next to each other and then tracks the progression of the data over the course of about 5 months five months worth of UK security, health security agency reports. 
So what, what, what that shows is that for a short period of time, the elderly age brackets stopped going negative from the vaccine during about November. Late October, November, the booster effect, they stopped going negative. But again, even then, it was like slight positive for, you know, again, first you go negative just because it suppresses your immune system for two weeks. Then it's positive for like six weeks and then goes back. But what it also shows is the last week's report blew it out. It's you got to see this chart. In my, I have it in my column at the Blaze today. This chart from Don Walt is unbelievable. Again, it's curated straight from the UK data, and it shows it shows a spike in everything. Omicron is is a cold, so it's it's going to everyone. But it's like two to three times more, depending on the age group, greater spike per capita. Per 100,000 among the vaccinated. The, the vaccinated are literally Omicron super spreaders. They are literally super spreaders. Again, because that's what happens when you have very suboptimal antibodies. The virus has an affinity to bind to them. This is known basic microbiology 101. So the next time anyone says to you, well, yeah, it doesn't stop transmission. It's leaky, but it helps. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Some things in life, half a loaf are a good thing. When it comes to microbiology, half a loaf is a poisonous loaf because it's a Trojan horse. So that to the extent there are unvaccinated dying from the virus, it's because the vaccinated are making it more virulent, in this case, more transmissible. Mainly not virulent. Very few people are dying from this. You know, I, I mean, everyone in my neighborhood has, has gotten it the last few weeks. I literally don't know a single person who was hospitalized. Um, and that's that's a good thing. So, you could see the rate of growth over the past week is exponentially higher among the vaccinated. And by the way, it's as, one of the reasons it's not quite as much among the older people is not necessarily the boosters, um, but because for whatever reason, and we don't have this clear, but the data is pretty clear from throughout the world, Omicron seems to latch on to younger people more, at least at this point. But that does seem to be changing. So you're going to see the negative effect among them as well. Okay. In other words, let, let, let me let me demonstrate this this point to you. Oh, oh, that that's that's the point. This is what I wanted to say. Although overall the negative efficacy is more evident among the um, younger groups in the four week average, but if you just take the last week from this last report, it's the sharpest growth is among the elderly. So, in other words, in the seventies cohort. There was a 68% growth in cases among the unvaccinated. Okay, that's a lot. Among the vaccinated, a 298% growth. So almost a four times greater growth rate in cases among the vaccinated 70-year-olds. 80-year-olds, it was 73% for the unvaxxed, 276 for the vaxxed. So it's rapidly heading down that point, 
which demonstrates why would it be worse? Because the boosters are a negative effect. It's like heroin. It gives you a little bit of reprieve because your body needs it, and then it makes you even worse than without it. And the more, look, I hate to be crude here, but it reminds me of the bean song. You know, the more you eat, the more you, the better you feel, so you can you know, go back on and on again. That's literally what, what, what it does. That's the science behind the endless shots. But it's not just one country. We're seeing this from several places. If you look at a recent study from the Staten's Serum Institute in Denmark, they studied secondary attack rates inside households during Omicron as compared to Delta. Quote, surprisingly, we observed no significant difference between the secondary attack rate of Omicron versus Delta among unvaccinated individuals. However, when it came to the vaccinated, they found that secondary attack rates were 2.61 times higher for Omicron than Delta. And among booster vaccinated individuals, it was 3.66 times higher. This indicates that the increased transmissibility of the Omicron variant primarily can be ascribed to immune evasion rather than an inherent increase in basic transmissibility. What that means is that most of the increased transmissibility of Omicron is because of the vaccinated. It's coming from that, you know, that uh, ADE or, or, or some sort of viral enhancement. Now, in the case of Delta, the enhancement was in its virulence. Thank God it appears that the enhancement in Omicron is more from its transmissibility. And if it's going to remain this mild, it might be a blessing in the end. So here's the irony. I'm, you know what? The vaccine might be working. I'm not joking. I'm not trying to be sarcastic here. It might work in the fact that it will super spread an extremely mild variant that could possibly give people full immunity in the future. So it might work in that sense. But that sure as heck is not the way they worked it out to be. Let's move on to Israel. Israeli data shows the same thing. Israel is, has the most three shots of anywhere in the country. They're on to their fourth shot. Now Moderna is saying America's going to need a fourth shot, which we knew. Cases are now over 17,000 a day, record levels. But over the past few weeks with the rise of Omicron, there's a clear decoupling based on many vaccines, based on how many vaccines you had. So it's straight up, the case rates are higher the more you have. So one, two, and then three, three have the highest case rate. At present, the unvaccinated are 29% of the population. They compose less than 14% of the new cases. Just like with the UK, the shots always lose efficacy, even during Delta, but then they go negative much quicker with Omicron. Data from Denmark shows the same thing. Rising case rates among those with three shots are quicker than in any other age group, any, any other demographic. We said the other day, Public Health Ontario put out a pre-printed study, shows a similar thing. This is a direct quote. Receipt of two doses of COVID-19 vaccines was not protective against Omicron infection at any point in time and went negative as time went on, negative 38%, and they show negative 42% over time. 
They show the booster had 37% effectiveness and then went negative very quickly. At what point do facts start mattering? And by the way, there's a very disturbing thing we're starting to see. Someone noticed this. Um, COVID-19 Crusher on Twitter, he put this out. And you guys could play around. If you go to Our World and Data, you could play around with this. Notice that South Africa was one and done. They had a lot of cases, very few deaths, and they're done with it. Yet, if you look at most of the Western world, the case rates per capita are way higher than South Africa. What does that tell you, my friends? That tells you that to the extent that there's what to panic over Omicron, and, and there's not because it's not qualitatively bad, but in terms of the sheer numbers, it's, be, it's a reverse efficacy. This is an important point. As Steve Day says, Omicron and South Africa were control groups. South Africa had a low vax rate. It was one and done. One and done. Like, he compared it. Let me, let me, let me see here, for example. Um, you look at the United Kingdom. Daily COVID daily, you know, c- cases. The cases are so much higher in Argentina is a very high vax country puts out there. So we'll also get a better idea when Omicron hits Eastern Europe, which has lower vax rates than Western Europe. But Omicron almost seems to be exclusively a pandemic of the vaccinated. That is that is a simple reality. And I want you guys to remember, there was never a time, never, even early on when it was working more, where if you ran correlation, county to county, country to country, on vax rates to case rates, we had, this was the Harvard study very early on, and it's only grown since then, there has never been positive correlation, and usually, usually it's negative correlation. Early on, if you remember that. In other words, if the vaccine is anywhere near as effective as they're saying it is, if you run correlation on 100 countries, 150 countries, all the states, or 3,000 counties, whatever you want to do, and you run a correlation in R squared on a scatter diagram of case rates over a period of time to vax rates over a period of time, you would have to see some degree of favorable correlation. It's negative. It always was. Now now it's straight up a perfect reverse correlation. I'm talking about even you know before Omicron and even earlier on before even Delta took off that much. There's a study I want to – I haven't had time to delve into. Professor Kyle Beatty of University of Alberta. Now, he's a political science professor – so it's nothing like real scientific, but you look at his paper, it's a hundred pages. The math and charts and whatever. I mean, this thing looks pretty, pretty heavy duty. It's on ResearchGate. The title is Worldwide Bayesian Casual Impact Analysis of Vaccine Administration on Deaths and Cases Associated with COVID-19, a big data analysis of 145 countries. And that's what he did. He ran correlation. 
I don't have it in front of me, so I don't see, I mean, I don't have the full study. I just have a quote in front of me, but so I don't see the end date. Like in other words, what was the end date of the, of the analysis? But here's what he comes out with. The, st- the statistically significant and overwhelmingly positive casual impact after vaccine deployment on the dependent variables, total deaths and total cases per million should be highly worrisome for policymakers. They indicate a market increase in both COVID-19-related cases and deaths due directly to a vaccine deployment that was originally sold to the public as the key to gain back our freedoms. Um, I'd love to get him on the show. By the way, I'm having Professor Pantazatos. He's the other, the one that ran the correlation with um, all-cause mortality, showing that um, you know roughly 168,000 vaccine deaths through August in in America, showing the negative efficacy for most of the time of the vax, uh, showing tons of infant mortality. Um, he's going to be on the show uh, on Wednesday. Probably, I reached out to him, but folks. This guy looked at 145 countries. And again, nobody has claimed to do the opposite, to show the opposite. The only studies that actually ran correlation show the opposite. And he's showing it with deaths too. Now, I don't know if that's because there's more COVID deaths or if it's because there's more vaccine deaths. But folks, we are being lied to. Oh, everyone, everyone in the hospital is unvaccinated then we should see a massive correlation if you do a country-to-country analysis based on case rates, death rates, and vaccination rates. In other words, based on what they're saying, if you have a country where 70% is vaccinated and and literally almost every adult above the age of 30, 40, to a country that's only 25% vaccinated, you should see massive dichotomies of results there but we don't we don't because this is all one big lie nothing matters anymore nothing matters and and by the way i just forgot to mention that another example of this correlation my buddy kyle lamb who now works for ron DeSantis, he ran correlation on 60 or so florida counties Okay, and he found, again, a a clear correlation between higher vax rates and higher Omicron case rates. Or we don't know exactly what's Omicron and what's not, but I mean the last couple of weeks when it's presumed to be the majority of cases. So ultimately, what is going to be clear now, it's not going to matter. I want to get to that in a minute. We're going to have to fight for ourselves. It's not like this is not going to be one on data because it doesn't matter. But if you want to get the truth out, the two things you can hide are, number one, correlation with case rates, death rates, and um, uh, you know vaccination rates. You, you could lie about how many individuals are in a hospital, this and that, but you can't lie about – we have the data, the macro, country-to-country comparison. And then number two, all-cause mortality, and that, that's really going to be very, very telling as time goes on. Now, by the way, same thing with masking. Same thing with masking. Um, The UK has a study, UK's Department of Education, they have a report used to justify masking grade 6 to 12. 12. They actually show no no statistically significant effect of student masking policies on COVID-related absence rates. So, you know, again, as we well know, 
obviously that doesn't that doesn't help at all. Um, I'm just gonna jump around to a couple different stories I wanted to get get to you before the end of the week. Daily uh, National Pulse, they did a great story revealed Pfizer's link to the Wuhan lab. So I've been telling you, obviously, we all know that Barrick, Dazic, NIH, they were all involved in funding research at the Wuhan lab for at least two decades on coronaviruses and ACE2 binding and mRNA technology, and they've been doing this forever. The virus didn't come up in 2019, and the vaccine didn't come up in 2020. They were working on all this way before, and who's the big daddy? Well, it's Pfizer. So I warned you guys that um, there's no way Pfizer wasn't involved. Well, they point out that Professor Gao Pexuan, I don't know how to pronounce this, P-E-I-X-U-A-N, He's a recipient of Pfizer's Distinguished Faculty Award. He lectured at the Wuhan Institute of Virology back in on October 24, 2016, and he delivered a speech, among other things, about nanotechnology for RNA, RNA nanotechnology. Pfizer employee delivering a speech in 2016 about RNA nanotechnology at the Wuhan lab. Never forget that the people that are supposedly tasked with the cure and the people that are controlling and ruining our lives while insulting us and engaging in a blood libel, accusing us of spreading the virus, never forget they were the ones involved in its creation. And folks, it's, it's, it's important to remember, it's important to remember that we have Republicans that are bought into Pfizer like anything. And I'll say this, anyone who says they're pro-life, they're pro-life, but they don't treat Pfizer at least as badly as we would treat Planned Parenthood politically, they're not pro-life. They are not pro-life. They're now sticking a third shot on teenagers. They say they're going to have to have it every five months, but the truth be told, we all know it's every two months now. But even if you take the five months, it would if you do the math, the average life, they would wind up getting 960 boosters. But nothing matters. Pfizer, their own data, shows even for adults... A net negative. I, I want to make something very clear. It's not just the macro data, but even Pfizer's own trial. Never forget this. Okay, if you guys want to follow this, you know, try to find it. Pfizer has a six-month follow-up published in the New England Journal of Medicine. Okay, this is a six-month follow-up on the trial participants. Right? It's page seven of the PDF. After six months, 20 people died in the Pfizer group and 14 in the placebo. All caused mortality. Originally, it was 15 and 14, respectively, but in the follow up months, it, it, they, they note in there 
that three more participants in the trial group died, and then two in the placebo group died after getting the shot. What happened was they unblinded it, which was unethical. And they wound up giving most of the people in the control group the shots later. So it, it destroyed whatever, but at least for that window, it's revealed that 20 people that wound up getting the shots died within six months. 14 in the control group died as well. What does that tell you? We are. Th- this is their own trial. Okay, there's nothing cute. There's nothing funny. There's no... There's no back and forth. There's no debate. You have my data. I have this. That is the only... A hocus-pocus study doesn't matter. This is the hard data from Pfizer. They themselves admit this, page 7. Now, they say that none of these deaths are considered to be related to the BNT16B2 by the investigators. Okay? But that, that, that's irrelevant. I don't care what their opinion is, whether they feel they died from the shot or not. All I know is you're telling me this thing is saving humanity from COVID and you're going to all die without it. And you have a trial that shows 20 people in the trial died after six months. 14 people in placebo did. Something doesn't add up there. Call it what you want, but your thing certainly doesn't work. Maybe it just magically causes you to die early. Say what you want, but they're completely busted. But folks, we have nobody standing for us. The West Virginia governor, Jim Justice, he's begging Joe Biden to go get a fourth booster for for West Virginia, to get a supply. This is what we have. There's zero difference between these guys. You know what bothers me? You know, Ted Cruz made a comment. He stepped in it by saying, uh, you know, calling January 6th like a terrorist attack. And everyone was all over him. And he was he, like, he's apologizing and whatever. And, and, and look, and I, I agree. I mean, I, I think it was very stupid what he said. I'm very upset with him. But my point is, why is he the only one apologizing? How come every rhino dirtbag that echoes the most immoral, inhumane, illogical ideas of the left on COVID fascism, they're not forced to apologize? Why is it only certain things become like a big deal? To this day, um, a year into the data, showing this thing is dangerous as hell and it doesn't work and now is negative... The Republican politicians are still promoting it just as virulently as the Democrat ones are. We have nowhere to turn. Nobody listens to this. Nobody listens to the cries of these people. Every day more studies come out and show the heart inflammation is much worse and more prevalent than we think. You know, I got this email from a listener, Kathy. And it's heartbreaking because there's so much of this going on. It's not just the forgotten people. The forgotten people um, that don't get treatment. They get left behind. But all the people, um, what do you call it? All the people with... uh, the vaccine injuries. It's so sad how they all get left behind. 
It's almost like they don't care. They don't care at all. They come to get treatment, and it's like, screw you. What do I care? So Kathy sends me, my daughter is 31 years old. Um, she lives in, she's in Louisiana. She's a college professor. She has lupus. She had three Pfizer jabs. Two days after her second jab, she went on to the hospital with problems, breathing, and pain around her heart. They treated her and sent her home. That was on Friday. By Monday, she could hardly breathe at all and had more heart pain. She was rushed to the hospital, and after several tests, they diagnosed her with pericarditis. She has been hospitalized 10 different times since January 2021, all related to pain from pericarditis. As you are probably aware, you aren't treated by your doctor when hospitalized, and the cardiologist teams she's had have not been very helpful. The cardiologist she sees on the outside doesn't seem to know what to do either. She's on 20 to 30 medications. And no one has anything for her. 31-year-old woman. Now, one of the things I am going to be working on, we're going to have hopefully in the coming week a doctor on to talk about long COVID. But hopefully we're also going to um, discuss, you know, at least with them and other people, vaccine injuries. You know, now a lot of it is untreatable. But how much of it we're able to treat? What are we able to do? How are we able to help more people? See, because there's such an effort to cover it up, they're not going to want to even look into treatment because that would presuppose that there's a problem and they would have to acknowledge it. This is so sad. And by the way, there is so much more information we're finding out about the lipid nanoparticles, not just the spike protein, but the LMPs being very pro-inflammatory. And they settle in the ovaries, and they create inflammation in an embryo. What do you think is going to happen to that baby? So we're going to have more on that next week as well. But I want to get to a point about states pushing back. Are you seeing your red state push back? Our founders never envisioned the states would just roll over. Roger Sherman he wrote this on December 8th, 1787. So this was a couple months after the signing of the Constitution was during the ratification debates. People were very concerned about an overbearing federal government. What, what is this new national government you're trying to create? And he wrote the following. He said, all acts of the Congress not warranted by the Constitution would be void, nor could they be enforced contrary to the sense of the majority of the states. One excellency of the Constitution is that when the government of the United States acts within its proper bounds, it will be in the interest of the legislatures of the particular states to support it. But when it overleaps those bounds and interferes with the rights of the state governments, they'll be powerful enough to check it. Powerful enough to check it. Doesn't say they're going to run crying to the courts. They're going to be powerful enough to check it. it, it, We have at least 20 red states. There is no reason this shouldn't happen, but... Alas, we're screwed. We have no help. See, my fear is even if we wind up winning this case, which the lawyers gave a horrible argument today, it will just be that the feds can't do it. But the states and the so-called private entities, 
which are all being done at the BS of the federal government anyway, they're going to keep doing it. You know, I don't want to hear about this business. Oh, a private company could do what they want. Do you know, I wrote about this when we are on break. Do you know that um, a couple of weeks ago, this guy, Judge Frank Jirachi Jr., in the Western District of New York, he ruled that a New York can enforce Emily Carpenter of Emily Carpenter Photography, photographer, to forcibly film a gay wedding. Okay? New York has a compelling interest in ensuring that individuals without regard to sexual orientation have equal access to publicly available goods and services. <laughs> Just how strong is this compelling interest? He says, quote, as a result, even if the accommodation clause compels speech or expressive association in a manner that implicates the plaintiff's free speech and free association interests, the provision survives strict scrutiny. It's so important to ensure that a gay couple could have someone filming them kissing and every mom and pop photographer must do it that even if it violates their own compelling interest, their religious beliefs, you must do it. Okay? In other words, there's such an amazingly compelling state interest in ensuring that one out of 100 photographers doesn't refuse service for a gay wedding that a state can downright compel you to engage in speech and activities that violate your conscience. Yet at the same time, we are told that a red state cannot tell private businesses what, what, not, to, what not to do by ordering them not, just simply not to discriminate against workers. We're not asking them to accommodate, to film, to do a proactive thing that violates their conscience. Just don't bother them. Well, well Daniel, they're worried about spread. It doesn't stop the spread. It actually facilitates it. If anything, a business would be in their interest if, if you to discriminate against those that are vaccinated based on the current data. Now, remember, there's a whole number of differences what, what, that makes this discrimination much worse. In the case of the florists, the photographers, the bakers who declined to service gay weddings, they're not refusing to ever serve the individual. Right? They're not saying, I don't like what you do. I'm not serving. They're just the particular event. So, in other words, if you want me to... If the guy happens to be gay, they'll have no problem, you know, filming a birthday party. Okay, they just don't want to film an, an event that they don't like. Contrast this to the vaccine mandates that they're refusing to employ or serve the individual for anything. Then also, in the case of the photographer, the owner is abiding by her religious beliefs not to participate in something she finds an anathema to her conscience. No such claim can be made with the vaccines. Unless we're to concede that the mass vaccination has become a religion. By definition, someone's vaccination status cannot affect another human being. Given that the others can obtain that amazing protection that you say it affords. Also, in the case of the wedding services, the number of those declining is a minority of the minority. The culture condones homosexuality to a point where customers could probably get discounts and better service almost anywhere else within miles. Contrast that to the vaccine wars, and the people without shots are being marginalized from every aspect of society, employment, higher education, and now even have the threat of the inability to access life-sustaining goods, services, and even organ transplants. Furthermore, in the case of the gay weddings or employment of homosexuals, nobody is requiring the individuals to engage in a specific action they find offensive. Right? In other words, 
the equivalent of what businesses are doing to vaccines would be the equivalent of, let's say, a Christian, um, you know, a business owner saying anyone who um, is employed here has to date a girl, uh, you know, from a man's perspective or kiss a girl. Right. You, they're forcing you to do something you don't want to do. Right. They're just saying, no, we just don't want to ourselves get involved in that. The equivalent of the jab mandate for bakers would be for a business to say, you must engage in heterosexual sex in order for me to hire you. Or explain in the opposite direction, the court mandates to service gay weddings would be the equivalent of us demanding that businesses hire a certain quota of people without a jab and service events, fundraisers, and rallies fighting the mandates. You have to service an event that's anti-vax or something. No, we're not saying you need to do that. Then finally, there's another distinction that the government has fostered a discriminatory culture throughout the country with billions of dollars of funding, marketing, coercing, and absolving manufacturers of liability. So it's not a private concern. It's clearly coming from the government, even, even without a direct requirement. The equivalent dynamic with gay weddings would be if the government spent billions of dollars marketing homosexuals as dangerous to society, spreading HIV and syphilis, and then when private businesses respond by calling for by um you know to the calling from government they assert that a private business can do what they want yeah right i mean it's all built by the government so i don't want to hear this private business could do what they want crap we have a lot to work on we have a lot to work on um now folks i do have a lot more on the table i did want to talk about today but i am feeling a little bit lightheaded just uh, getting over the flu here. So, um, again, just public service, 7cells.com, promo code Daniel, if you want to get um, the treatment kit or, or nidazoxanide, ivermectin. Unfortunately, there are 15 states that that they can't ship to now. So if you are in one of them and it, it, look at their F&Q, a lot of southern states they don't ship to. Uh, they do have a list on their F&Q page. Uh you know, try to find a place or someone you know you could ship to in a state where they do. In other words, they'll prescribe in all 50 states, but they won't ship it. So you just have to, if you're in one of those states, get it there, and it will take an extra few days. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you, you guys should have had, had this on, on hand before. I'm getting a lot of good emails from people like, look, I'm so glad you warned me to get it on hand. Then when I had it, you know, it was there when I needed it. So so that's the story with that. Um and then also texascoviddoctor.com to fund the Hope Clinic of Dr. Henson, who is treating people. By the way, one of the big dangers is a friend of mine who listens to this show. She's a legislator in New Hampshire. She actually showed me there's legislation they're pushing in all states now to ban telehealth at a state. This is the big thing. So with very few doctors prescribing the only thing we could rely on are the handful of doctors around the country and often it's not in your state we got to make sure we fight this and instead we need to open it up again uh, next week i'm going to talk about my list of about you know um you know 30 40 items that need to be passed on covid fascism um another action item is call your state medical boards and pharmacy boards and say you better not fight life-saving treatment. I didn't even get to Flavio's study today. Maybe we'll have Flavio on 
uh, the show again. He has a sample size of 220,000 people that prophylaxed an ivermectin in a city in Brazil. A massive study, the biggest one done on any therapeutic, and it had amazing, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but over 60% mortality decline. Um, and this was this was um, uh, people with comorbidities. And and again, this was monotherapy. Obviously, we understand you need a few drugs, make it even better. Um, also, he showed it was very dose-dependent. So the more ivermectin you have in you, the better. In other words, if you keep if you go up on the doses, it's it's going to get closer to 100%. Um, unbelievable. Again, most people aren't having problems. Omicron's a blessing. The only issue we do have is it's just it's still unclear how much Delta is circulating. Um, I do want to say, and and I'm just going to be very brief on this because I haven't studied it yet, but I could say from Dr. Ryan Cole, I spoke with him. He does have, it's just a hypothesis, but it's based on one study. I don't know where it is that there is a concept of being co-infected that you have in your gut if you would if you would culture the guy multiple strains so it's not like oh i got this or that so it's like you could get omicron but there's 30% let's say delta circulating in you and if it's a bad dose of it you can get screwed so that that's what's a little bit confusing here which is why i still think you know it's worth treating it um, I do think that if you kind of breeze through the first five days, you know, I was warning you, no, you got to do 10 days. Maybe now you could ease off and assume you had the full Omicron. Um, but just keep that in mind. Again, I think we had a productive first week. Um, hopefully I'll be better next week and we'll be back in the swing of things. Have a terrific weekend. Send this show to all of your friends and relatives. Again, this is data and information you're not going to hear elsewhere. This is my commitment to you. Till next week, we'll be back same time, same place. God bless you all. Stay safe, stay informed, and thank you for listening.